first, I'm going to say a big, big thank you uh, for everyone who reached out to me uh, after listening to episode 10 of the podcast. I know that it was a bit different, um, but the overwhelming response that I got literally blew my mind. You guys are so kind, and you shared so many stories with me um, that really just uh, helped me to connect with all of you. Um, <laughs> I think episode 10 was the only episode to date that I did not listen to after I recorded it, and I did not watch the YouTube version um, because, y'all, if I did the ugly cry in that YouTube version, I don't want no parts of it, okay? I don't want to know about it. <laughs> I didn't want to see myself. Um, I didn't even want to hear myself. So, um, But I just wanted to say uh, thank you, really, from the bottom of my heart. You guys are amazing. All right. <laughs> Welcome to episode 11. I can't believe I've done 11 of these already. Uh, episode 11 of Business Shit. I am your host, Mimi G, and today's topic is size don't matter. All right. We all know that that ain't true for some things, and I won't say what things they are. But when it comes to sponsorships, that is a very true statement. Size does not matter, and I'm referring to um, your audience. So I get asked about sponsorships Oh my God, so many times. Like, I think it might be one of the questions I get asked about the most is how do you uh, start working with sponsorships? What can I do? How do you approach? All of those sort of questions. And, you know, I've st sort of been doing this little series where I'm talking about certain things along the episodes, episode nine. Um, I mentioned that I want to talk about how to launch a product and then how to market and promote that product. And so today's episode was going to be about launching a product. And then I realized that whether you're an influencer um, or you're a brand, you need to understand how sponsorship uh, relationships work. Because when you launch your product, you want to already know that stuff. So I didn't want to skip ahead without giving you um, all the information that I know, just from my own experience, obviously, um, on working with sponsorships and working with influencers. Because uh, when I first started as a blogger, um, I worked with sponsors, still work with sponsors, still. Um, but now as a business, as a brand myself, I work with influencers when I'm launching a product. So I know both sides. And so I thought it would be really great um, if I could share some of that. Um, so are you ready? Let's talk some shit. All right. So I've worked uh, with just over 300 sponsors to date. And so I've been able to gather a lot of information from both sides that I think is really useful um, for you to know. Um, you know, it's not really the same as it was when I first started, and the competition is incredibly fierce. Um, so there's a lot more that you need to consider now. Um, you know, I use influencers when I launch my products, when I um, launched uh, Business Shit, the podcast. I used influencers that I know and that I trust and that I know their influence to, um, to talk about it, to listen to the episode and give their true opinions about what they thought. Um, so that I could reach their audience as well, because as uh, as a, uh, a blogger, I understand the the side of the sponsor, the brand, and as an influencer, I understand the the other side. And um, you know, sometimes there are paid sponsorships, sometimes there are sponsorships that are not paid, um, but bring value. And I'm going to talk about that um, when I approach influencers. Um, I use both. Sometimes um, the approach is. 
Um, you know, I think that working with me can bring uh, awareness to your brand, to your socials, can bring an entire new audience to you, can help grow um, whatever it is that you're doing. And sometimes that's the added benefit, um, you know, the alignment with my brand. And sometimes, depending on the influencers that I'm approaching, I know that they're at a certain level that I'm not going to come at them with, hey, align yourself with me. I know it's more about I respect your influence in the community. I, I respect um, how, how your audience responds to you. And so I want to pay you for, you, for your influence um, because I think that it's important to understand the value on both sides. Um, you know, it's not so much about... Uh, quantity anymore. It's more about quality. Uh, what I mean is before, when people would talk about sponsorships, it's like, oh, you should have this many followers and you should have, you know, this much uh, going on and you should be able to, you know, bring this this uh, much, whatever it is, to, to the brand. Um, but that sort of changed now because, you know, I have over a million followers across my social media channels. And, you know, um, I have great engagement. I have incredibly supportive followers. I have a pretty strong influence in my communities um, with receipts to back that shit up. Um, but that doesn't always make me first in line all the time. So, you know, you might have a, a much smaller audience. You might not have as much engagement. You might not have um, as large an influence, but there are aspects of what you do that might be appealing to that brand and that might fit that campaign. So it's not always about the numbers. There are a lot of things that brands consider, so I'm going to go through some of them. A brand might be considering uh, demographics. They might be considering uh, marital status. Are you married? Are you single? Um, do you have children? Do you have pets? Um, do you have hobbies? What those hobbies are? Um, also, preferred platforms. You know, um, it depends. As a as a business owner, as a as a brand, I might be trying to promote something strongly on Instagram. And let's say that your following is bigger uh, on Facebook, so you might not fit within those you know those specs that I'm looking for. Um, also, aesthetics, alignment to their brand. You know, how do you fit within their brand? Does it look the same? Um, smaller communities engage more. So, you know, a, a lot of times people think that, you know, if you're a huge fashion blogger, that it makes sense to do this fashion campaign. I'm going to talk about that in just a second, but that's not always true. Small uh, communities and something sort of niche where, where I would fall into, right, the DIY sort of community, we are very much engaged with each other. So when a brand is looking for uh, somebody to work with, they may prefer to work with smaller communities, more focused communities, because there's greater engagement, greater sharing, um, and so obviously greater conversations about whatever the product is. Um, the other thing that I mentioned earlier is, you know, not having a, a large audience doesn't make you less valuable. Actually, sometimes, especially now, might make you more valuable um, because micro-influencers tend to have better overall engagement. Um, you could come across bloggers uh, or influencers on Instagram who have huge followings, um, and then you'll look under a comment, on, under a post, and they have very little comments or very little engagement. That is actually a bad sign <laughs> um, for a brand because it, it lets them know that their product isn't going to get the reach that they want, right? Because it's just going to it's going to get seen, but it, the engagement is really what matters and really what 
um, I think the brands overall look for. I know it's definitely what I look for. So uh, one of the other things is consider the not so obvious. And I mentioned this a couple seconds ago. So recruiting a well-known fashion blogger for a new fashion collection campaign seems like a no-brainer. Like, oh, well, she's super popular here, so it would make total sense for her to do this. And that's not always the case. Um, especially now, there have been a lot of, um, a lot of examples of brands using the not-so-obvious influencer to sort of break into another area that maybe they're not reaching. And so by using somebody that, not, that doesn't necessarily fall, you know, fall into that, um, whatever that little circle is, oh, she's a fashion blogger and she's popular and she's all these different things, um, might not be what they're looking for. That's sort of the easy way. You know, I, if I have something that I want to post or I want to share or I want to promote, and I put it in the hands of somebody who I think is already really great and big and large in this, um, in this platform, I might not get the amount of engagement that I want and I might not get the right sort of eyes because all of those people who are in fashion already probably saw that, that product, right? I want to get to the people who might not see it. Um, and so going for somebody who's less obvious might do the trick, which is why micro-influencers are really popular right now. Um, also, I wanted to also mention that in the in the not so obvious realm is a really great way that brands have started reaching more organic audiences by using not so obvious influencers. So be mindful of what you're posting, what you're sharing and what your socials look like, because you might not necessarily think that you might fall into these other areas where opportunities can come to you. Um, but you actually might be just the person that they're looking for. Um, another thing to consider is that, you know, brands are always watching. It's sort of their job, right? So the media agencies that work with the brands are always looking for influencers. Um, you know, they're, they're watching to see what your past collaborations have been, uh, the quality of your work, which, you know, I, <laughs> I have issues with a lot, of, a lot of what I see because I think that... Um, it sort of devalues uh, other bloggers when uh, you know people don't do good work or don't provide quality work um, because it makes it harder for somebody to charge large amounts of money for something um, when other people are doing it for pennies and then not doing really great quality work. Um, they're also looking at past engagement. So, uh, you know, there are brands who will go through your timelines, who will look to see uh, other uh, sponsorships that you may have done and then look for the engagement to see how it went. Um, and then, of course, ease of work. So, you know, you don't want to be difficult, just like, you know, um, in any business, you want to be pleasant to work with. And those are all things that they look for. One of the things that um, I really hate when I hear people say is, fake it till you make it. Um, that's always really bothered bothered me because that just makes you a phony. Um, so the more you fake it, the less you make it. So you know, for me, it's like stop trying to see and do, uh, you know, what Susie over on so and so is doing. Like, who gives a shit? Nobody cares what Susie's doing on so and so. Okay, you have to be authentic to you, to your voice, to your brand. And we've talked about this a bunch of times um, over different episodes of business shit. But I bring it back up because. Um, if you stay authentic to your, to your own personal brand, then when brands come to look for you, they know exactly what they're going to get, right? They're not going to be confused. So brands can sniff out forced content 
and they can always tell when the engagement isn't genuine. So for example, if um, you don't engage normally on your social media, right? And then when you do a sponsored post, all of a sudden you're commenting and responding to people. Brands know you're full of shit <laughs> because you don't do it on every other post. You just do it on sponsored content. And that's not what they're looking for. They really do want authentic people that have their own sort of point of view and, and you know, stay true to, to who they are. Being number one isn't your goal right? Being different is your goal. If you can be different, then that will always set you apart. Um, another thing is to be about your shit because, you know, your overall attitude and professionalism affect uh, your business relationships all the time, even in working with sponsorships at school, at your job, or wherever it is. You know, one of the things that um, is most important is to always be on time and to be flexible because there are times where, you know, brands are constantly looking at data and, you know, you might get hired to do a sponsored post and then something changes or the date needs to change or they request something or you have to be very flexible. You have to be uh, willing to do a bit more and obviously to accommodate. So these are all sort of things that the brands look for, but these are things that you can do. So the first is you have to create creative content. So that means having amazing photography. If you're not good at photography, like sign up for an online photography class. I did that years ago when I first started blogging. I didn't know how to use my DSLR. I was looking at these buttons like, I don't know what the hell I'm pushing. And I got this online course. I don't remember what it's called, Shutter something. And, um, and I learned how to use my camera. And it, you know, it took me a couple of hours and I don't know, 30 bucks or something online. And I learned how to do this, how to use my camera so that I could take better pictures. Um, you know, you have to have clear and interesting video. So if a brand hires you to do a video campaign, you have to be good on video. You have to be creative. You have to be able to do storytelling, which is so important um, in, in sponsored content because they want it to be organic. They want it to speak to your specific audience. And the only way to do that is to be good at storytelling, to be able to relay whatever the product is in a message that is going to resonate with your audience. Um, and then also you have to be relatable, right? I mean, you have to um, be relatable to your audience, which is why it's so important to be authentic because if you always stay authentic, then being relatable is second nature. Um, also, you need to really compete in this area because brands want to work with content creators that basically bring life to their product. You know, when when we get a sponsorship uh, for a new a new product, me and Nora sit down and we're like, okay, how can we showcase this product? How can we talk about it in a way that's not fake as hell um, and that you know is is going to engage your audience and that you're going to be excited about? Which is also, okay, which is also why I don't take sponsorships from things that I have no emotional connection to or that I just simply don't like or use because then trying to talk to you about it is going to sound fake because I don't really use it or I don't like it or I'm not excited about it. Um, you know, I got a, a sponsorship request one time for a lot of money to do a tailgate thing with football and Smirnoff. And I was like, first of all, I don't give a shit about football. Football fans don't hate me, but I just don't. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I sit there and watch it. Norris tries to explain it to me. He really does, but I don't, I don't understand. 
And I don't drink Smirnoff, so I wasn't going to sit there tailgating in a parking lot with some football jersey on, drinking Smirnoff, try to talk to my audience about why I'm doing this. That didn't work. So, you know, I have to turn down certain things because I don't feel passionate about them. Um, the other thing that you can control is max out your effort. Do a little bit more than asked, especially in the beginning. Um, you know, I always made sure that I added a little something. Maybe, you know, even now when, you know, when we get uh, Norris-sponsored content, you know, throw in a little uh, extra story on IG or throw in a little extra IG post or a little Facebook push or something um, because it lets the brand know that you care. Uh, maybe you created really great content and you want to show more than one picture. Don't think, oh, I'm not going to post it because they didn't pay me for it. Just think I'm going to post it and share it um, because it's going to show them, you know, that I'm really excited about working with them. And that's really, you know, the whole point. Then there's working uh, with brands and knowing, you know, the value versus money. So the, the first thing is to know that, you know, what, what is your, your brand? Are you just, where is your brand, I should say? Are you just starting out? Um, have you been doing it for a while? Um, and is this a business or a hobby? These are things you need to know when you want to work with brands because, um, you need to know if you're working in kind or you're working for money, and I'm going to explain a little bit about that. So let's say that you um, are. I'm going to I'm going to talk about DIY because that's my that's my field. Let's say you're a DIYer, and um, you know you are looking for free products or you're looking for perks with a brand that you like, right? Maybe you're a quilter and you want somebody to send you a bunch of rotary cutters or scissors or rulers or whatever. That might not necessarily be your business. Maybe it's just something that you want to get as an added perk because you work, you use the brand's products, right? So it doesn't always have to be a business. It can just be maybe you're a hobbyist and you want to, you know, get products from the brands that you already use. And so you would still use the sort of same guidelines that I'm sharing with you here, whether it's for business or if you're just doing it as a hobby. Um, but if it is a business, there are things that you want to know. So working in kind has its benefits. That means that there's a mutual benefit and it's not cash, okay? So you might get free products, which is always really great. And, you know, depending on what that product is, it might be valuable to you. So, you know, if somebody wants to send you a new T-shirt, and you post it for free, you're like, okay, that's not really of great value to me. Um, but let's say it's, you know, I've gotten mattresses, like $8,000 mattresses, brand new, delivered to my house so I could talk about this mattress. Okay, that's valuable to me. I could use a mattress and an $8,000 mattress is going to be real good. Um, so there are different benefits that you might want to consider. Also, there's travel. I've uh, been to numerous places, um, vacations. They flew me and my entire family, kids and everything to New Orleans for seven days, all expense paid, plus travel money, you know, plus uh, food, plus everything while we were there. Um, that was of great value. Um, you know, brand mentions, 
that can be very valuable. So maybe let's say they're not paying you, but they're going to put you on their social media. And let's say their social media has millions of followers. That's a whole new audience that gets to see you. That's you being placed in front of an audience that could possibly now follow you. And obviously that is of great value. So for me, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes my approach to influencers that I'm working with is, hey, you know, if you align yourself with me, I will place you in front of my audience. I will give you great exposure. I will mention you, tag you, etc. And those things can be very valuable because, you know, if I mention something, people are going to go follow. And so you just have to know what is valuable to you. Um, also, you know, it could be, let's say you're just starting out. And so when you start out, you do a lot of things in kind. I know that I did. Um, and that's okay until you know when the value isn't quite matching what you bring to the table. That's when things change. But until then, you know, it can help bring credibility to you um, and it can help build your work experience so that when brands approach you and they're like, hey, do you have something you can show us that you've done with another brand? You have something to show. And then obviously there's the money, right? You want to get paid. Um, and Money is, you know, one of those things that if you're doing great work and you know that you can bring something to that brand by, you know, by means of your audience or your engagement or your influence, then by all means, you should be charging for that. So, you know, the first thing I would tell you is to develop a post rate. And that includes a rate for your blog posts uh, with social media amplification, which means if you post, if you do your blog post, then you're going to post a link on your Instagram or your Facebook or your Twitter. Um, you should have a rate for your Instagram post. You should have a rate for a Facebook post. You should have a rate for your Twitter. You should have a rate for all three uh, together. You should have a rate for YouTube videos. Um, normally, I always charge a lot more for my YouTube videos than I do for my blog posts uh, because it takes me more time to film and edit and do all of that stuff. Um, and then you should have a rate for your uh, IG Lives or your Facebook Lives. Um, because that's a whole other thing that now we, you know, we've been given, which just gives us an other op another opportunity to charge <laughs> for the content that we're creating for these brands. Um, you know, but when you're putting together your rate, you need to uh, take into account your total audience and the content uh, quality and be honest, um, you know. A lot of what we see now are beautifully curated photos, uh, people who really take a lot of time, put in a lot of effort, just like me and Norris do, on creating you know, exceptional content for the brands that we work with. Um, and so if you don't have the means to do that, then you have to take that into account when you're putting together your rate or level up on your knowledge, right? So learn more about what it is that you need to improve so that you can charge more for your content. So um, some of the questions I ask is how do I um, handle when brands approach me? So there's usually three questions. Um, I'll get an email from a media agency that's working with whatever brand and they'll tell me usually, you know, just a bit of details in the email, what it is and if I'm interested. I always have the same questions. What's the scope of work? What's the budget? And I'm never afraid to give what my rate is. So a lot of times in the, um, in the email, it'll say, 
you know, we're looking for, this brand is looking for you to speak about this new product and they want you to po do a blog post with social media amplification and the rate is $1,500. And I will immediately say, I'd love to work with the, with the brand, but this is what my rate is, which is not $1,500, is a lot more than that. And, um, and then just wait for them to respond. And the thing that I found, and I found this when I, um, when I have to appear at brand functions or events and I'm around other influencers, I notice that people don't like to talk about what they charge for things. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know why. Some, I mean, I know that, you know, sometimes it's a private thing, you know, you don't be telling everybody what you charge for things. But I think when, you know, privately, when you're having conversations with influencers, if you were to ask me, hey, Mimi, um, you know, I'm looking to work with sponsors and I don't know what to charge. What do I charge? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I charge, you know, and based upon your audience size, what you bring to the table, the level of engagement, influence that you know you can have and that you can produce for this brand, then you would, you know, obviously um, match your rate to that. So your rate might not necessarily match my rate, um, but that's okay. You have to do it according to what you can do for the brand. But if I don't even tell you, if I don't even give you a guideline, how are, how's anybody ever going to know? And so I remember being at this event one time, I think it was for Old Navy, I'm not too sure. And I was talking to an influencer, I won't mention what her name is, um, and I remember that we were talking about something and I asked her, um, you know, what, what she had charged to be there that day. And she told me, and I was, first of all, I was stunned because I knew the influencer and I knew what her following and engagement was. And I had charged three times that, and they had paid me to be at that same event doing the same exact thing that she was doing. So I told her. Um, and the reason I told her is because it helps our business because she should be charging more for what she was doing. And, and I felt like she should be compensated for what she was doing. But if I didn't tell her, she would have no idea. She was actually stunned when I told her what I was charging to be at that same event. But I think if we don't help each other, then we're never going to know. Right. Um, and then, you know, I mean, some brands will, will know that, you know, they can come to you and that you're going to charge a lot less. And so some people might charge a lot more. And depending on, you know, that whole you get what you pay for, some brands appreciate that and some brands don't. But I think that the conversation needs to be had, um, even if it's, you know, like I said, privately. The, the one thing that I want you to understand is that you can't be afraid to ask for monetary compensation, and you can't be afraid to negotiate. So let's say that the rate that they sent is too low, then you just respond and you tell them, this sounds great, I would love to do this, I would love to participate in this campaign. This is my rate, is it in the budget? Let me know. I guarantee you nine times out of 10, they will come back. They're not gonna sit back and be like, we're not gonna respond to her because she asked for more money. No, they're not, that's not at all what's in their mind. They know your value. Trust me, they know your value. As a business owner and a brand, I know your value. So we're going to immediately say, hey, okay, we wanna work with her, this is her rate, let's see if we have it in the budget to accommodate. Because that's, that's how it works. It's a give and take. So don't be afraid to ask for that. You know, I've been paid $25,000 for one single IG post. $25,000 for one IG post. 
And then I've done an IG post for $700 because the one that was $700 had great value. I wanted to align myself with that brand. I wanted to be visible on their socials and that brought great value to me. So it really just depends on what you at the moment think is valuable versus the cash uh, value of what you're doing. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about is, you know, pitching yourself. So when people ask me, well, how do I approach a sponsor? The, the very first thing is to be clear in your request, right? Don't overpromise. So don't tell the brand that you're going to bring them this amount of sales or you're going to get this many people to come to their site. Don't overpromise. Lay out the mutual benefits because that's really important. It's beneficial to you to align yourself with the brand. Maybe you like the brand. Maybe you respect the brand. Maybe you currently use the brand. Let them know. And then express why you would be a great partner because they want to know. They might not know who you are. So you need to let them know who you are and why you would be a good fit. And if you have it, show great examples of work that you've already done, which is really great um, because if you, let's say, are not uh, a huge influencer or you don't have a large enough audience or you don't have a lot of work right now, if you're doing work in kind, then that can give you, like I said, credibility and can give you a chance to put together sort of your you know, blogger portfolio. Um, and then, you know, if you don't hear back, it's okay. <laughs> so, you know, there are a lot of reasons why you might not hear back. You know, one is the media agencies get pitched all the time, constantly by influencers um, wanting to work with them. So it's, you know, it's not you. It's just maybe they're busy or maybe you're just not a good fit or maybe your approach might not be working. Maybe your request and your social proof uh, don't match. Um, so let me give you an example. I've, I've seen this actually quite a bit. Um, so I started the business ship podcast. Now I've done things on business for years. I did the passion to profit tour. I've done online courses. I've done all kinds of things. Um, so although I'm in the DIY world, I've gotten to a point where I do now speak on business and how to grow a business, start a business, monetize a business, all those different areas. Um, but you know, if you're a fashion blogger, let's say, and you start pitching to speak as a financial expert and they go to your uh, socials or your blog and they don't see nothing that has to do with you being a financial expert, well, your request and your social proof don't match. But maybe maybe that's something that you're trying to work on, right? Maybe that's another area of your, of your blog or your business that you're trying to develop, which is why I have separate accounts for different things, right? So obviously I have my Instagram for business shit. So if I'm pitching something for business or for me to be a speaker, I'm not going to send them to my Mimi G style Instagram. I'm going to send them to my business shit Instagram so that they can see that. And then obviously follow the trail back to me, right? Because it all leads sort of in a circle. Um, but you have to make sure that your, whatever it is that you're pitching matches whatever it is that you're currently doing. Um, and then, like I said, it, you know, don't take it personal. It really, you, sometimes brands evolve really quickly. Things change. They're always looking at stats. Um, and so you might be a good fit one day and then next month not be a good fit. Uh, and, you know, and in, sometimes I will say that sponsorships, you know, they come in droves. I did Old Navy almost every month, um, sometimes twice a month for over a year. And then all of a sudden, Old Navy stops calling. It's not personal to me. 
I didn't do anything wrong. I just know that, you know, there are a ton of influencers and I might have fit that campaign for however long it ran because of maybe how I look or that I had children or that I was working out or that I live in Los Angeles or whatever the reasons were that they had chosen me for that year campaign, maybe no longer applied for the following year. So Old Navy didn't call. I don't take it personal. It's just the way things go. And you have to understand that, right? 20, uh, I think 2017, I think I had like 16 sponsorships in the month of December. It was insane. I'll never do that again. Um, but you know, this year I can already tell I'm not going to have as many as I had the previous year and it's okay. It's not personal. It's just the way the game is. And you have to be okay, uh, with knowing that, um, you know, brands will find you this, this, I know to be very true. Brands will find you. If you're doing all the right things, you have good social engagement, you have a, a decent sized audience, you do good work, you have great photography, you have a good point of view. Um, the brands do find you because the media agencies are constantly looking for new influencers. At some point or another, you're going to get an email from some media agency asking about working with a brand. And this is when you're going to pull up episode 11, okay? You're going to listen to all of it, and then you're going to respond to that email. Um, so one of the things that I get asked is, how do I find them? How do I find these brands? How do I reach out if you want to pitch yourself? Well, for me, I used to... Um, go to their social media sites, right? So I would go to their Facebook pages, I would go to their Instagram pages, and I would send messages that way. Now, um, today's question is actually how I started working with sponsorships, so I'm gonna talk about that. And in that, I say that I never pitched myself um, for, for my blog. I, you know, I was very fortunate in that the, the blog sort of grew rather quickly, that the brand sort of found me, the agency started calling, and I didn't ever have to really pitch myself. The only time that I've actually pitched is when I was doing the conferences or doing my own events, and I was pitching to work with brands um, for them to either sponsor the events that I was doing, provide um, swag bag gifts or whatever it was, um, or sponsorship dollars for the events. And in that, I was like, well, how do I reach this, this company? And I found, well, I'm going to go email them on Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to go um, send them a message on Instagram. Because what you have to realize is that the people who are going to hire you to work with these brands are the same people who run these brands' social medias. So they are constantly on Facebook. They are constantly on Instagram. They are constantly on all of these social platforms looking for people like you. And so if you, you know, reach out on Facebook or you reach out on Instagram and you send a message, you're, you're likely to get a response or at least, you know, get on the radar because that's where they are. That's where these media agencies um, are reachable. And I, I guarantee it's worked for me almost every single time. 
anytime that I wanted to reach some agency or some brand that I wanted to work with, the first thing I would go do is go to their Facebook page and see if I could send a message. And if I could send a message, I would send my message on Facebook because I know that the brand, the PR people, the brand people, the media people, that's they're they're constantly watching and they're absolutely going to get that information. And obviously you can go to their websites and you can send an email. You need to follow up, right? One email is not going to do it. I guarantee you it's not going to do it. Send two, three emails, follow up. Don't be annoying, okay? But you'd have to follow up because like I said, they're very busy people. They get a lot of mail. And if you really want to, you know, have... If you have, let's say, a very specific idea for a collaboration that you want to do with a brand, then you want to make sure that you get that point across in whatever you know message or email that you're sending. But don't just reach out just because you want to work with H&M and you want some clothes. Okay, you have to have a really great idea and have a clear view of how it's going to benefit that brand for them to actually want to respond. Um, and then this is the easiest possible way to get uh, listed is to submit yourself to these agencies. There are a ton of media agencies, especially now that we're not nowhere near around when I first started doing this. Okay, this is an added benefit that you guys have now that um, is fantastic. These are influencer marketing agencies that you can go and sign up with and you get put on their roster, you fill out their form, you link your social media account so that they can have social proof of your followings and your engagement. And then whenever your sort of specs fall within something that they're looking for, then you will automatically come up and then they'll reach out if you, you know, obviously if the brand is interested. Um, but there's so many of them. So I'm just going to mention the ones that I know personally that I've worked with. So there's Media Kicks, there's Style Hall, there's uh, Silkworm, there's Viral Nation, there's uh, Higher Influence, there's Edelman, there's Social Light. I mean, there, there's four, there's so many. Hell, if you did a Google search for, you know, uh, top influencer marketing agencies, I guarantee you, you're going to get a shit ton of information and just go through and start submitting yourself because what's the worst that's going to happen? Nothing, right? You get in, you don't get a call. You get in and you get a call or you get an email and that's really fantastic. So there are some absolute guidelines for you to follow, for you to be aware of, of how to work with influencers and also how to work with sponsors because whether you're a business or you're an influencer, you need to know both sides of this. All right, guys, here's your actionable to do. I want you to set rates for, you know, your, your um, blog posts, for your uh, social amplifications, for your lives, for whatever you plan on providing as a service. I want you to put together your rate card. Aside from your rate card, I want you to put together a one-page media kit. Now, it doesn't have to be fancy. It just needs to include the following, a short bio of yourself, your social reach, meaning what social platforms are you on and what are your numbers, your past work, if you have any, an example of maybe a collaboration that you've done, uh, what you offer, obviously, um, as far as, you know, do you do video, do you just do blog posts, uh, do you do lives, etc. And then a short blurb of why they should work with you. And then, of course, have a good, bright, happy picture of yourself 
And please don't forget a way for them to contact you. You'd be amazed how many media kits and emails I've gotten from people who want to work with me that don't include any way of contacting them. Just saying, please make it accessible so that they know, one, where they can see you on social or your website or your blog and how they can reach you either by phone or by email. All right, guys, here's the question. Hi, Mimi. How did you start working with sponsors? I thought it was a very fitting question for this episode, and I thought it was funny that it came in about two days ago. And so I thought, okay, let me answer. So full disclosure, like I said earlier, in the beginning, I did not ever pitch myself to any sponsors. I never reached out. Had I um, had what you have now as far as the marketing agencies available to me then when I started, I would have absolutely done that. Absolutely would have done that. Um, but I didn't. So, you know, for me, it sort of just showed up in my inbox one day. And that's sort of when I was like, oh, wait a minute, brands want to work with me. And at first I did a lot of free shit. Uh, because like I said, I found, I did find value in it. It put me in front of a lot of people. Um, it gave me credibility. It definitely gave me a lot of, uh, work that I could show other brands when it came to, uh, to me requesting money. Um, and then, you know, obviously when I did start doing the conference that I did every year, or I started doing my passion to profit tour and I needed to reach out to sponsors to uh, help cover the cost of that and to provide products for my events, um, then I started to reach out, just like I told you, on, on Facebook, on Instagram. I would go to their websites and fill out forms, send emails, like really whatever it is that you have to do. It's so easy now. If you have LinkedIn, oh my God, LinkedIn is amazing. I pay extra for my LinkedIn account so that I can have um, access to uh, whole companies um, and their employees because I think it's really beneficial, but it's a fantastic way to find anybody. You want to know who runs this company? Go on LinkedIn and look it up. Really, guys, it's not that hard anymore. It used to be, but it's not that hard anymore. Um, now, when we do pitch, uh, we pitch, me and Norris pitch for brand development deals. Uh, we, we pitch for collaborative ideas and deals. We don't pitch for sponsored content, but that's just because we have greater ideas now. We have uh, greater goals for our business. And so now, you know, it's about doing larger pro uh, projects with maybe some licensing involved and doing that sort of thing. So that's sort of where it is now. But I will say when I did start working with sponsors, um, I basically did all of this. You know, I, I made sure that my content was good always um, because I thought that was the number one thing. If I, I, I mean, if I put myself in their shoes and I wanted to hire somebody to talk about my product, I basically did what I would want them to do for me. Um, so that's how I started working with sponsors. And then, you know, I started collaborating on deals and my licensing deals sort of came after that, but those are all very different things. You know, sponsorships are, you know, the brands paying you, uh, either with value or with cash, uh, to talk about their product. Um, collaborative deals are slightly different in that, um, sometimes it's a product that you're developing with a brand. Um, or that you're developing with another influencer. Maybe it's a business idea where you have a partner and you guys are working together. That's a collaborative deal. Um, and then licensing is completely different. Um, basically, there are different levels of licensing. So you could either sell your name or your brand or your product. Um, everything is sort of linked to your name. You are an ambassador of it or you are, um, you know, the face of whatever it is or maybe you're designing. I have both a collaborative 
and a licensing deal with Simplicity, so that works really great for me. Um, but there are so many different ways that you can work with brands and sponsors and even with companies that you currently use now that, um, you know, that could be very beneficial to you. So just remember to stay authentic, reach out and don't overpromise. be on time, um, and do good work. Really? That's all there is. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Remember in order for your business to succeed, it must be the shit. It needs to solve a problem, help them get past their current stage, earn respect and build trust. I'm out.